I'll tell you, Pam, the Hawkeyes did not play Hawkeye football. They didn't play Iowa football today. Uh, and they weren't the more physical team, but I don't think the coaches the, with the play calling helped them out very much. And Kirk Ferentz, the last three years, he is only a 500 coach for the Hawkeyes, and he's come under some, uh, some pressure down in Iowa City where he, for a while, could do no wrong. You know, Pam, you're right about the fact that a lot of people back in Iowa are not happy right now. I spoke to the Iowa Athletic Director, Gary Barta, before the game. It's only his second year at the school. He said, we are not where we want to be as a program right now. We feel we have a stable base. I said, well, what do you plan to do about this? He said, I'm going to sit down with Coach Ferentz after the season and evaluate things, evaluate what we need to do to get back to that streak of 31-7. and seven. Kirk Ferentz, of course, the highest paid coach in the Big Ten. Iowa prevented him from potentially going to the NFL by locking him up with a deal that pays him $2.84 million this year. Hello, Hawkeye fans. This is John Patchett. Welcome to the weekly football show from Hawkeyesmike.com. The game highlights are courtesy of ESPN2. We very much appreciate those. Well, it was another dark football Saturday for the 2007 Iowa Hawkeyes as they lost at ross Stadium to Purdue 31-6. It appeared that Iowa brought three units to the Purdue game, the defense, special teams, and the no-fence. Because once again, the Hawks turned in a dreadful offensive performance, reverting to their pre-Illinois game play, firmly cementing Iowa's spots at the bottom of the Big Ten offensive statistics and approaching the bottom of the national stats as well. Following the very successful game plan against the Fighting Illini, Iowa curiously started out at Purdue with an opposite approach. They came out throwing, almost abandoned the run from the outset, and this against a suspect Purdue offense that coming into the Iowa game was ranked ninth in the Big Ten. This was even more curious because of new injuries suffered in the receiving core last week as both Colin Sandeman and Trey Strass were left behind in Iowa City. Iowa now has gone three games with just two touchdowns. Jake Christensen was sacked five more times, and the Hawks were a miserable three of 16 in third down conversions. That's only 18%. Norm Parker's defense struggled yet again against another team effectively running a version of the spread offense, but in fairness, Iowa's offense provided no help and just left the defense on the field way too too long, and as the game progressed, the Hawks' D got beaten badly. And with the exception of Charles Godfrey, the defensive secondary turned in a particularly poor performance, and that's especially harmful against any version of the spread. The Hawks now have to win three of their last four games to have any chance for a bowl appearance in this relatively bleak 2007 season. I think all of this was really frustrating for Hawk fans after the big win against Illinois the week before which looked like it might be a turning point for this young Iowa team, and then they completely laid the egg at Purdue. You had a baffling offensive game plan by Ken O'Keefe, focusing heavily on the pass from the outset rather than employing the winning formula used against Illinois, which was even more puzzling because Iowa was down to just three wide receivers at the Purdue game in terms of those on scholarship. O'Keefe also continues to call many drop-back passing plays for Jake Christensen, who struggles enough the way it is. It should be clear to even casual observers that Jake is not a very effective drop-back passer at this point in his career for a combination of reasons and should be utilized more in rollout and moving pocket situations. You have to ask why this isn't happening. And Norm Parker's bend-don't-break philosophy on defense only seems to work against more traditional offensive schemes. And it continues to struggle mightily against most versions of the spread offense. Purdue relies mostly on short passing routes with good runs after catches. Yet for the most part, Iowa did nothing to try to bump them off their routes early. I don't care what anybody says when 
when your defensive backs are playing 10 yards off the line of scrimmage inside the 20-yard line or 5 yards deep in the end zone when the ball is on the 10, that just doesn't make sense unless the coaches really believe they have that little talent in the defensive backfield and just can't trust them, which speaks volumes about both Iowa's current talent level and recent recruiting. Kirk Ferentz says the team's attitude is still great, but you have to wonder how much longer they can hold up if the play continues to be this bad. And it's just hard to believe that Iowa's offense can be this bad this many years into a program. The Hawks not only are at the bottom of nearly every Big Ten offensive category, they are now 117th out of 119 teams nationally. That's pretty pathetic. Kirk's supplemental explanation of his decision to punt from midfield with only three seconds to go at the end of the first half, where he seemed to indicate he was expressing emotional dissatisfaction with the offense, may have summed things up best. What's worse, we're getting ever closer to three consecutive seasons of bad results and disturbing trends in the Iowa football program, and the current six-year bowl streak may be the least of those problems. And another incompletion for Christensen. First-year starter out of Lockport, Illinois. Two touchdown drives now in their last 30 possessions for Iowa because they did score a touchdown last week and then a touchdown against Penn State the week before, so you're talking two touchdowns in, all, in, the, in almost three games now. And that's not the production that's going to get you many Ws, no matter how good your defense is. If you can't get more points than that on the board, you are not going to win ballgame. Backup quarterback Arvell Nelson now is in as a wide receiver. And so their wide receiver core is so depleted that Arvell Nelson, a redshirt freshman out of Cleveland, there he is. He's the backup quarterback. He's in now playing wide receiver. Yeah, and that's just, you know, another indicator on the, the decimated receiving core for the Hawkeyes. And again, it's not a strength, so why... I beat it. The Hawkeyes have driven inside Purdue's 10-yard line, looking for their first touchdown of the afternoon. And Purdue's playing a little differently on defense now, too. They, you know, they just don't want to get beat over the top, so they, they've kind of loosened up and played some more zones, and they're going to let Christensen hit the underneath stuff. 12th play of the drive, and that's an interception. Christensen threw it right to Terrell Vincent. And that's a classic error from a young quarterback. Just a bad throw from Jake Christensen. And that puts Purdue in the driver's seat. Let's take a quick look at game notes and key stats from the Iowa-Purdue game. Purdue won the coin toss and deferred, once again placing Iowa's offense on the field at the start of the game. And once again, Iowa failed to score in its opening drive. Iowa had two new starters in the offensive line. Brian Balaga started at left guard, and sophomore Dan Doring started at right guard. Iowa kept its record perfect in terms of not scoring on an opening drive of any of its eight games this season. Senior linebacker Mike Klinkenberg returned from injury to the starting lineup and had a pretty good game, including his first career interception. Linebacker Mike Humpel had a game-best nine tackles, including eight solo stops. Wide receiver Darrell Johnson-Kulianis had six receptions and also a 51-yard kickoff return, while wideout James Cleveland had career bests in both receptions and yards. Important team stats, first downs, Purdue 29, Iowa 14, net yards rushing, the Hawks had 77 to the Boilermakers 116, net yards passing, Iowa had 177, Christensen was 17 for 40 with one interception, and Purdue had 315, while their quarterback went 29 for 49, also throwing one interception. 
interception. Purdue had three passing touchdowns. Total offensive yards, a huge gap. The Hawks with 254, Purdue with 431. And total offensive plays, Purdue ran 91 to Iowa's 69. Possession time, pretty significant difference there. The Hawks only 24-56 to Purdue's 35-04. Key in the third quarter, Purdue held the ball for 10 minutes and 25 seconds. Third down conversions, 3 of 16 for the Hawks, 12 of 21 for the Boilermakers, and Iowa once again had problems with sacks, giving up five to Purdue. Taking a moment to look at Big Ten football statistics through eight games, all games and conference games, Iowa is pretty miserable in nearly every statistical category. 11th in total offense, 11th in scoring offense, 11th in rushing offense, 11th in first downs, 11th in third down conversions, 11th in red zone offense, and 11th in terms of giving up sacks. Great story, compelling and rich. Today's Hawkeyes Mike program is made possible in part by the Lodge Apartments in Iowa City, the finest in student living, your home away from home. Call 319-358-3500 or go to www.thelodge.ui.com and by Morgan Stanley Financial Advisors of Coralville. Call 319-338-5184 or 800-870-0002 for all your investment needs. These football programs on HawkeyesMike.com come to you weekly during the entire season. This week, once again, you'll have the chance to hear Marv Cook's thoughts and Pat Hardy's opinions, and we'll also hear from you, the Iowa fans. We invite you to share your opinions each week by calling 866-74-HAWKS. Let's hear from the coaches now about the upcoming game, Iowa versus Michigan State at Kinnick Stadium. Kirk Ferentz talks about Michigan State. So we're moving on right now. we got Michigan State this week. Uh, they come in here with a good ball club, obviously. Uh, I think, as we all know, they've always had pretty good talent up at Michigan State. And uh, Mark D'Antonio and his staff have done a wonderful job. You know, we expected that. Uh, was able to witness their work as a, a staff at Cincinnati. You know, we've seen them on film. Uh, throughout the last couple of years, and, and they're a very well-coached team, or they're a very well-coached team, and uh, I know they're continuing to have success uh, with the players that that staff recruited. Uh, so it's, it's no surprise to see Michigan State playing the way they are right now, and there are a lot of parallels to what you saw uh, with their Cincinnati teams uh, to what they're doing right now. Uh, first and foremost, you know, they're, they're a big uh, uh, physical football team on both sides of the ball. They're very experienced, a lot of seniors, a lot of juniors, good size, good athleticism. And, uh, you know, on, on the offensive side of the football, very good skilled players. You start the running backs. Both of them are excellent running backs. Good change-up uh, one-two punch, if you will. Uh, I've got a very talented tight end. Uh, Hoyer's done a nice job running the offense. And uh, the receiver they picked up, uh, a junior college player, number five, uh, uh, Thomas, is a, a very dynamic player. So, you know, they've done a good job there. And uh, I think uh, if you take Illinois out of the league, an option attack, they're leading the league in, in rushing the football. And defensively, they're playing very, very aggressively, and I think we all saw that last week, a good illustration. Uh, not only are they aggressive, they're tough, and uh, they, they create a lot of problems for an offense. You know, They've uh, done a good job creating turnovers. Uh, Team-wise, they're, uh, I think, two behind us in turnover margin. They're, they're second in the league, doing a nice job there, and you know, a big part of that is the way they play on defense. They're very, very aggressive, a lot of pressure, a lot of blitzing and dogging, and they've got the athletes to do it. So it's, it's an impressive group and good, good on special teams, as you expect. So. Yeah, we've got our work cut out, and our focus will be us working on our areas of concern. Nothing's changed since Saturday. We have plenty to work on, so that's where we're at. 
Kirk was asked about his biggest concern going into this week's ball game. You know, obviously it remains uh, on the offensive side right now. Not, not that we're taking anything for granted defensively. But, you know, what we need to do very clearly is just uh, try to try to establish some consistency offensively. And if you look at the last three weeks, we've only been able to do it one time. So, you know, what we need to do is try to find the formula that worked in that Illinois ball game and see if we can't uh, get that going a little bit. Uh, we struggled at Penn State. Purdue wasn't quite as bad, but, you know, the bottom line is we came away with two field goals, you know, no touchdowns, and uh, you're not going to win uh, football games. You know, scoring six points or uh, even ten points is a stretch. So you know, we, we need to, to find out a way to get uh, first downs, you know, uh, multiple first downs, sustain something offensively, and most importantly, capitalize and get, get some points on the board when we get down in there. You know, that, that's a challenge ahead. You know, there's no uh, pixie dust or anything. We just, got, we just got to keep working and see if we can't improve. Ferentz was asked if it was surprising that the offense took such a step backward at Purdue. Disappointing, certainly, for everybody, but not, not surprising. Again, you know, we're, we're a young and experienced group on that side of the football. So it's one thing about young players or young teams. You know, they're going to have highs and lows. They're not going to be as consistent as you like, you know. And it doesn't mean you like it. It doesn't mean you accept it. But that's usually the reality of things if you study things. And, uh, you know, the challenge right now is to see what we can do in four weeks, you know. And uh, the other three don't count right now. What we, what we can do this week is important. Hopefully we'll make some, some progress, and then we have to continue that once we get it going. Parents was asked about the payoff in the next two years, given all of the young players getting plenty of experience this year. Yeah, I'm really hopeful that it'll happen this week. You know, I mean, that's, that's uh, you know, we, we made strides in that Illinois game. We, we looked like a totally different team than we had against Penn State. You know, a lot of times it's a very fine line. It's like anything in life. Uh, football is that way at times. So, you know, if, if we could experience some good things and uh, get a little momentum going, you know, maybe something good would happen. There's still four games left this year. That's what we're looking at. All that being said, you know, Michigan State's got other ideas. You know, they're going to come in here and try to, you know, try to stuff us right off the bat. You know, they know where our hot spots are, and they're, they're going to attack us. So, you know, we're going to have to be up for that, uh, equal to that. And, uh, you know, it starts with having a good plan. We need to have a good plan, but then we're going to have to go out and really, really compete. Kirk was questioned about whether there's pressure to get to a bowl this year in order to particularly allow the extra added practice time. Not, not really. I mean, I haven't thought that far ahead, but uh, it always goes without saying uh, that's a benefit of bowl games. It's, it's uh, the equivalent of another spring practice, if you will. But most importantly, it's just a, a nice reward for the players, and uh, that, that's paramount. So uh, especially this team, because I've, I've talked again you know, time and time about the attitude of the team. It'd be nice to see something good happen for them, see them get rewarded in any way to, to play in the postseason, and uh, that'd be a wonderful thing. But, you know, we know we have to earn it. We, we all realize that. You know, they don't uh, uh, just throw those offers out to, you know, teams that have good attitudes. You know, we, we have to earn it on the field, and you know, we, we got four weeks to work on it. So, you know, this is a big week, and worry about that, and we'll go from there. Kirk talks about the team's attitude and focus. Not, none of us are having fun right now, you know, being – Losing ball games is never fun, and if it becomes acceptable to you, you know, it's time to get out, whether you're coaching or playing. Uh, but, you know, from where I sit, really my, my focus always has been more, more on the intangibles, you know, what, what a team's doing in terms of uh, their attitude, what kind of leadership we're getting, those kinds of things. And, uh, you know, I think this team's been outstanding that way, you know. So for me, uh, and we'll talk about it after the season, but I, I've got a clear vision of where – I hope we bottomed out, and we did bottom out. There's no doubt about that. I hope I can keep that date uh, etched in my mind uh, at the end of the season. I hope we don't have to change. I'm optimistic we won't. To me, as long as we're working the right way and the attitude's good, yeah, we're going to weather the bad uh, bad times, and we're going through one right now. Nobody's uh, denying that. 
but not answer the question. I think I think these guys are doing everything we want them to do. That's a real positive. The only thing that's dampened this season, in my mind, is is our uh, uh, off the field conduct, and we've gone through a phase like that before, and I uh, didn't enjoy that, and I'm not enjoying this. You know, we'll uh, we'll work on that in the out of season too. The only thing I would say there is if you if you look at our team in its entirety, you know, we, we got a lot of outstanding people here, and uh, you know, I think we've had a lot of kid mistakes take place. I think we've been pretty proactive with our education. Yeah, I think we've been very reactive with uh, anything that's taken place. So uh, sometimes you got you got to look at those things. You know, it's not much fun, but uh, you know, we're going to get them corrected. And last time we went through one of these, the team responded, I think, in a very admirable way. And I'm, I'm very confident the same thing's going to happen again because we got a lot of great people on this team. Michigan State coach Mark D'Antonio is having a very successful first season. He takes a look at the Ohio State game. Last week went up against a uh, very good Ohio State team down in Columbus. And coming into the game, uh, really felt like we had to be able to run it and get some creases for Ringer, for Javon Ringer, and, uh, and J.U. Callcrick, our running backs. We were not able to do that um, consistently on a consistent basis. And then we, we felt like we had to be able to stop the run as well. And, and again, um, had problems doing that initially. Also felt like we had to protect our quarterback and affect theirs. And I think we did affect theirs in the second half a little bit, which allowed us to get back in the game. But, um, you know, the first half was, um, you know, I, I think it was the first half was a little bit of a struggle for us. We regrouped at halftime, came out the second half, played much better, made a game of it, had the two big turnovers for touchdowns, um, had a chance to um, to tie the game if we could get the ball back at the end, but never could. But our attitude is good. I thought that our players played through the tough times there and uh, uh, remained resilient in terms of uh, just how we handled everything, and, and we kept playing, and good things started to happen to us. D'Antonio previews the Iowa contest this Saturday. And it'll be a challenge there. It's a very tough environment to play. They're a very well-coached football team. A lot of continuity, I think, in their coaching staff. I know they've had a lot of injuries uh, thus far, so I think they're getting some of those guys back. Good set of running backs. Offensive line has been shuffled around a little bit due to injuries, I think. But uh, same with the receiver court, somewhat uh, defensively strong, very well coached again. You know, we need to refocus and, and move it, move forward to, uh, to Iowa. But it'll be a challenge for us. D'Antonio talks about Iowa's offense. I think the running backs are very good. I think their wide receivers are younger players. Um, some of them are younger players, and they've, they've sort of been had injuries there. Um, I think they're getting possibly getting a tight end back who's very good as well. Um, but I, I really think that their running backs, Sims and, uh, Sims and uh, Young, are, are very good players and, and can create some situations for them. And, uh, you know, their quarterbacks makes, makes plays. He's only thrown three interceptions. They've struggled a little bit at times protecting him. I think that's due to the youth and to the injuries. I think they're a very well-coached football team, and uh, they'll be prepared. We need to be um, prepared for, for a, I think it's going to be a great football game. Given all of the injuries in the Big Ten, and Iowa's a good example of those, D'Antonio was asked about whether he thinks it would be a good idea to restore the bye week. This is the first time that we've not had a bye for quite some time, I think, as, as long as I've been an assistant coach or, or a head coach. It's the first time I've been a head coach that we've not had a bye. And you just need, I think some people just need a week to regroup sometimes, whether it's um, coming off a tough loss or or you know allows your, stu your student athletes to be students for, for a little bit more of a normal routine, maybe for a week. So I do think it's a good idea to have them. I don't know exactly, as Coach Carr mentioned, I don't know exactly how to do it. We have played here when I was at Michigan State before. We had played on Thanksgiving against Penn State, so I don't know which direction that would go, but um, I do think it would be good to have a bye. D'Antonio was also asked about getting the Michigan State program over the hump, given its close losses in some key games. We've got to measure ourselves in wins and losses, but I will say that in the in the games that we have lost, we've 
we've remained vigilant, I guess, to the end in terms of just staying, staying the course and trying to, you know, we never ran out of gas and, and just threw in the towel. And if there's anything that, um, that gives us um, a cause to grow and build on these things, that would be it. That we've, we've hung around in the games that we have lost and had chances at the end to either tie it in Ohio State's game somehow, some way, or in the other games had chances to win it. You know, we are what we are, and we just need to continue to, to, uh, to work towards getting better. Following our first caller, you'll hear from former Hawkeye All-American and All-Pro tight end, Marv Cook. Hey, what's up? This is Zach from Iowa City. Just uh, calling in to talk a little bit about Iowa and, uh, you know, how terrible they've been lately. Um, mostly, mostly to blame on the offense. Um, I think it's pretty obvious at this point in the season, no more excuses can be made. Uh, Iowa's just a terrible offensive team, and I think it starts at the top. you gotta, you got to look at the quarterback whenever an offense struggles the way it does. Uh, Jake Christensen's just not a very good quarterback right now. Not to say he won't be in the future, but uh, every time he drops back, you see him dancing in the pocket. He's got happy feet because he clearly doesn't trust his offensive line. I mean, he holds the ball longer than he should because he clearly doesn't have any faith in his receivers. Dropping back right now, Every single time, you just don't expect good things as an Iowa fan. They throw dink and dunk routes just to try and compensate for the fact that they do struggle to block and to get balls caught and out. You're not really going to move the ball very far when you dink, dunk, and then just run the clock out. Zach, those are pretty good comments about the offense. What about Iowa's defense at this point? Defensively, stopping the spread off, spread defense, but uh, that's more of a matter of coaching and just getting your defensive secondary in position. I mean, you gotta you gotta have your guys in the right spots if you're gonna stop any kind of a spread offense. Uh, it's more of a coaching thing. They they've got to do something. Just get those guys in the right position. Frustrating to watch football like this because. The defense has played so spectacularly this season at times, and uh, it just seems like a weekly letdown now. Really wish to hear something positive to say at this point, but uh, the season just doesn't appear to be headed that way. Bowl eligibility seems to be a far cry from uh, from where we are right now, and hopefully, <laughs> hopefully uh, we can get something something going here, just building blocks, something to build on for next season. It's not time to completely throw in this season and you know call it a waste, but we're about one and one or one or two more terrible weeks away from that point, which is really too bad. Just a depressing Iowa Hawkeyes football season. Aw, crap! HawkeyesMike.com, something new. It's sports talk radio on the internet, just for you, the Iowa fan. All sports, all Hawks, all the time. We want to welcome back Marv Cook for his weekly stint on HawkeyesMike.com. Marv, we visited last week about how important that win over Illinois was and whether it was a turning point. Now what after the Purdue game? It's good for young players to learn what it feels like to win and have success. And uh, obviously they weren't able to to, to uh, turn that over in another victory um, and a, another solid performance. I mean, Purdue, I thought Purdue did a nice job uh, doing what they had to do to win the game and, and pretty much control the tempo and everything. So just a situation where it's, you know, you know, winning's a habit and losing can be a habit and you got to find ways to break habits when you're in a bad, bad situation. So uh, Kirk's mentality is just to get back to the drawing board and get back to work and, and try to get beat better each and every day. And it's just a at some point, the responsibility comes on the players to take it upon themselves, and you know those types of things don't happen. And you look for senior leadership. You look for guys that really step up and, and make a commitment and want to make sure that it doesn't happen again. 
You know, at this point, we're eight games into the season, and regardless of the youth and injuries, when should those factors stop becoming excuses? Well, I've never been a big proponent of injuries being a, a, an excuse at any time. I, mean, I think the year we went to uh, a January 1 bowl game, we went to our six-string running back, and it wasn't an excuse then, and uh, I don't think it should be necessarily an excuse at any time. So at this level, I think you got players that are gifted. I don't think there's a big difference between first string and third string, uh, other than experience sometimes. And, uh, you know, when you do get your chance to play, you should get in there and be ready to go. It appeared during the Illinois game that the offense finally made a fair amount of progress, including the offensive line, and yet at Purdue, we regressed big time again. We're dead last in virtually every offensive statistics for all games and conference games in the Big Ten, and we're approaching dead last nationally. How do you explain this kind of flat-out bad play at this point in the season? A lot of it's you know, rhythm, getting into a rhythm, getting establishing something. I mean, I'd like, you know, Iowa's offense has always been about establishing the run and getting the running game going. I thought maybe we got away from that a little bit and didn't really try to establish that. I mean, the one thing about Purdue's offense is if you give them a lot of looks, they are a very, very potent offense and they can be very effective. What our job when you play a team like Purdue is to try to keep their offense off the field. And what you do is how you do that is you run the ball, you, you work clock off, work time off the clock, you uh, get first downs, and, and unfortunately weren't able to do that. Not to keep picking on Jake Christensen because there appears to be a lot of offensive blame to go around, but the disturbing thing is that even when he has time, it appears he's not improving on his key fundamentals and continues to make the exact same mistakes that he was making earlier in the season. Quarterback's position is a lot like the coaching position. You get too much credit when things are going good and you get too much blame when things are going bad. You know, it is a team game at the end of the day and you need the supporting cast around you. Uh, obviously, we like to see a little bit more production out of that position. There were a lot of drop balls that if you add five or six drops to his percentage of totals, I think it looks pretty good. It looks better anyway. You know, the, I mean, the one thing that you can do to help a young quarterback is just get the running game going and commit to the running game. And I think a lot of times, even if it's third and six, just by running it, you burn another 45 seconds off the clock. You know, you may get to a fourth and one situation where you can go for it on two down territory, that type of thing. And, and then ultimately, one of the things you can do is maybe start to wear the defense out a little bit just by pounding on them. So taking that stress off him, get the running game going, and then, like I said, what Iowa's offense is built around is then getting the play action to work off of that. Kirk said in his post-game press conference that he never even thought about making a quarterback change. You know, everybody keeps saying, it's almost like an urban legend, that there's this big drop-off between Jake and the next two quarterbacks. Do we know that's true, or is it possible the coaches are just too stubborn to make a change in quarterback at this point? That's one of those deals where I'm not inside, I don't see the practices, and obviously that's a decision that the coaching staff makes, Coach Ferentz, Coach Coach O'Keefe, probably reasons why they're sticking with Jake Christensen. And so, I mean, that's that's one of those decisions that's a coach's decision. And I mean, in the past, it's worked where you could use two different quarterbacks. Uh, he's done it with McCann and Brad Banks and had some success there. But I think those guys were, you know, at least McCann had some experience and Brad Banks was developing experience. So it's a situation where obviously they must not be comfortable with who they have in the second string position to be able to come in and, and just kind of change the pace up a little bit or uh, give us a little bit different look in the, in the uh, quarterback position. So I don't think Jake's the problem. I, I mean, I, I think it's it's a it's a big issue it's a you know it's it's the whole part issue is if you look at it as being a, a problem it's it's just it's not we can't point your finger at one thing so I mean there's a lot of work that needs to be done and that's what they'll be doing well you can explain part of the defensive struggles by the failure of the offense to sustain drives and and that's definitely the case because the defense spends too much time on field it still appears that there are fundamental problems in Norm Parker's defense when they try to play almost any version of the spread, which Purdue ran last week. 
I think, I think Purdue's offense is built around throwing the ball, and it's a lot of its timing. A lot of it, uh, they uh, will basically simulate a run with their throwing game, but it is based on timing and then also creating mismatches in certain zones with three on two and, and trying to get zones flooded and things like that. But then also when you do see man, they have rub routes and, and a lot of different things where they're trying to get their speedy guys on our, our linebackers or whatever. And so I think a lot of that can be disrupted by being changing up schemes and coverages in the back end by coming up and bumping receivers, jamming the tight ends, not letting them out, kind of breaking the timing up. But when you do that, uh, unless you've got corners that are really locked down corners that are phenomenal athletes and can run with guys, you have to be very, very careful. Because I mean, if, if you bring up and press, you know, you've got to basically get to the quarterback within 1.7 or 1.9 seconds. Otherwise, he's going to throw the ball out and then your defense is on their heels. So, and Purdue's been doing this for a long time. They know what they're doing at it. So I think difficult for teams, if you don't have the corners that you feel like are lockdown corners that they can just jam receivers all day long and, and be physical, then it makes it tougher on a defense. Facing Michigan State this weekend, you have one of the Big Ten's highest scoring offenses playing the worst offense in the Big Ten. There's a 170-yard difference in uh, offensive output and a 25-point scoring gap between Michigan State and Iowa. Some people think that Michigan State and Iowa will, will match up well because the Spartans play more of a smash-mouth style of offensive football. Do you agree with that assessment? How reasonable is it to think Iowa has a, a chance of sticking with them? Yeah, very much so. I mean, I think Michigan State's a team that has played, has had flashes where they've been really, really good. And they've had flashes where they haven't been so good. So, I mean, I think they're they're still learning this new system under their new coach, and they are a physical team. They can run the ball at you, where they got a big back that can really pound away at you, but then they also kind of run a version of the spread offense that uh, will spread you out, and, and they have some weapons on the outside uh, that can do some damage. So, I mean, it's 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 going to be a great test, but this is, you know, this is what Big Ten football is all about. and. Obviously having them at home will be an advantage for the Hawks, and, uh, but my answer is definitely they can play with this team. And what I want to see is just continued improvement. I mean, I want to see these guys keep competing. I think defensively we've really done a good job of that all season long for the most part. And, uh, you know, just it's time for the offense to start stepping up and, you know, carrying their weight a little bit. So, uh, But I, I definitely think this is a game that the Hawks can win. I don't see it as a mismatch in any respect, so uh, I'm looking forward to a good game. Last week we talked about, as a player, what a win like that Illinois game meant. Now with this step backward at Purdue, I'll ask the same question again. What does this kind of loss do? You know, Purdue's a pretty good football team. I mean, you got to remember that their two losses have come against two pretty good teams the last two weeks. So it's it's frustrating. I mean, it's still close at halftime, and, you know, the thing didn't really slip away until late in the game. Obviously, they're tough losses. It's the least amount of points I think Iowa scored since 1976 or something I heard on the radio, but those are tough. And, but this is a team that's had to deal with a lot of tough things over the last five or six weeks. It'll be a testament to them to see what they're made of to come out and, and you know, continue to prove what they got. I mean, they still have a chance to become bowl eligible if they, you know, they run the table here. So still a lot to play for, uh, a lot of pride on the line, and um, wholeheartedly that's what will be evaluated over the next four to five weeks. After Saturday, what do you expect to see in the next four games? You know, a lot of these guys are, are young and, and are, aren't used to playing together and timing's an issue and stuff. But, you know, that's, that's what you want to see. You want to start seeing balls thrown on time, receivers coming out of breaks, catching the balls, things starting to click from an offensive standpoint the way it's supposed to. And, uh, you know, hopefully a lot like the Illinois game where just offensively we can 
gain real estate. You know, we can move it out of our side and move it to their side before we have to punt it. Because even just doing that, it helps helps your defense immensely. So, you know, those types of things that you want to see, and just and just continued high effort, continued guys playing, flying to the ball, blocking to the whistle, those types of things. And that's that's kind of what I'm looking for. Your keys to the Michigan State game? I, th I think it's going to be yeah. I think it's going to be hustle, heart, and. Uh, doing the things you got to do from an offensive standpoint to keep the defense off the field and then making a play here and there you know really uh, offensively starting to find who's going to be the guy that can score uh, you know seeing some long runs from scrimmage seeing some nice you know play action passes that result in big plays offensively uh, those types of things uh, i think is what iowa's going to need to do to be effective another call then coming up award-winning iowa city press citizen sports reporter and columnist pat hardy sean checks in from iowa city talking about solution for Iowa's offensive woes. And not a lot I can do, just players have to start executing. Uh, starts with Christensen. He's got to start making those passes. the same old stuff every week. They just are not good. It's just a year where they're not good. Uh, people are caught with that. I guess I do too. It's just hard to watch them be this bad. Never thought it would get back to this. Hearing Barger's comments about we're going to be looking at things at the end of the season, you've got to start looking at revamping at least some assistant coaches. you got to get a quarterback's coach in there, somebody that can recruit, because Iowa, they don't have good quarterbacks and can't recruit. It's painfully clear right now. Changes at this point of the season, it's like watching a car crash, kind of. I don't, there isn't really a lot to do. The only hope I have for Michigan State is that they haven't won at Kinnick since 1989 or something like that, and I'll be doing my best in students section to push Iowa to the win. Uh, they always play tough at home and the crowd's always going to have their back so that's always good. I think the players really are going to be trying to prove something that they're, they're not this bad. I think that's motivation enough to get them out there and give the, their 100% effort. Hopefully they jump out to an early lead, crowd get rocking, and defense will be playing with a lot of adrenaline. That's my hope. Peace. I've sent his boys younger than you to the gas chamber. Didn't want to do it till I owed it. Kirk Ferentz took that timeout just so he could berate the official, the uh, referee, Bill Lemagne, and Coach Ferentz did not like that last call. Could he help him? How, how's that a catchable ball, first of all? I mean, was it even close? Can the back judge help? Can somebody help? If that was the case, they should help. It was you see Kirk Ferentz over there <laughs> venting a little bit on the official. Trying to get a, trying to get a call. Yeah, but can a brother get a call? This Iowa defense, statistically quite good. They're third in the Big Ten, ninth in the country in scoring defense. But that's a little bit skewed because in, uh, in wins, they gave up an average of only three points per game. Losses, 24 points per game. But coming in, you know, fifth in the Big Ten in, in rushing defense, third in passing defense. And in uh, this uh, Purdue team, led by Curtis Painter, Dorian Bryan has really hurt him through the air. Taylor and Sheets hurting him on the ground. And they just did not have the same energy today that we saw last week. And on the, the offense certainly didn't help them. Iowa's offense just two for 14 on third downs as they have uh, sort of reverted back to what was biting them before they played Illinois last week. And I, I still scratch my head over the, the play selection for the Hawkeyes today. You know, you got a couple of great senior running backs. You got a strong offensive line, and then you have all freshmen at receiver. And they opted to try and get it done through the air early on, and it didn't, didn't bode well for them. Call in and express your opinions about the Hawks. Be among the first to make your voice heard on HawkeyesMike.com. Call toll-free 866-74-HAWKS to express your opinions and join our guest experts on weekly podcasts. 
welcome back Pat Hardy. You can read Pat's articles in The Press Citizen and on Hawk Central. Pat, all of us talked about how important that win over Illinois was and the fact that it might have been a turning point, but after what happened at Purdue, now what? Gee, I guess we're back to ground zero. It obviously wasn't a turning point. I think Illinois played terrible that day, and I think things just kind of fell into place for Iowa. I think being at home helped them a little bit, which is why I give them a slight chance to beat Michigan State this weekend, the fact that it is at home, but I think Michigan State's clearly a better team right now. So, no, it was not a turning point. This team is sputtering. When should people stop making excuses because of the youth and injuries? Two or three weeks ago, personally. I, the players are even saying that now. They're tired of using that as an excuse. It's time to move on. It looked in the Illinois game like the offensive line in particular appeared to make a lot of progress and sort of gel, and and yet the whole offense, including the line, regressed big time in the Purdue game. I really don't have an explanation for it. I just, I mean, they are young in some areas, but they're young in ways where you're talking about a third-year sophomore or what have you who's almost been three years into the program so I just my only explanation is that they're just not very good that maybe this is just a time where they just don't have enough talent right now I know a lot of people want to say it's coaching but the same coaching has produced decent lines in 03 and 04 and what have you I just think right now it's a combination of things but to me it's always more talent than coaching. Jake continues to struggle with a lot of the same mistakes and issues that he's had since the beginning of the season. I can see a little bit of that, but in fairness to Jake, who knows how Saturday's game had would have gone had DJK or Darrell Johnson, Culianos just caught that first pass, the very first play of the game, because he had room to run on that. It was right to him. The whole tempo could have changed, and I think Jake, the, his size obviously hurts him. I mean, he's generously listed at 6'1". He gets a lot of passes deflected. He hangs onto the ball too long, and he doesn't seem comfortable throwing any ball, but in fairness to him. The offensive line has not held up its end of the deal and the receivers have dropped a lot of balls. The coaches appear reluctant to make any quarterback change or even consider it, when do you think it's reasonable to make a change at QB? How much worse could it get? I think it just basically speaks volumes that the gap between Jake and the backups is that wide because I think based on the way Jake has played, I think if the coaches thought that there would be any boost by switching quarterbacks, they would have done it because back when Kirk was trying to rebuild the program in 99 and 2000, he went through McCann and Mullen and he switched quarterbacks all the time. So I think they're not, I don't think they're reluctant to switch quarterbacks when they feel they need to. I just think that right now, Jake is clearly their best and that's sort of a scary thought when you think about it. Were you as puzzled as many others with the game plan against Purdue where we sort of chucked what worked in the Illinois game focusing on the run and mixing in passes effectively and went almost exclusively to the pass even from the outset of the game and this seemed particularly odd given the fact that we were down to three wideouts. I think they should have ran the ball more. Albert had 44 yards about at halftime. He was averaging five yards a carry. I just think they should have tried to get Albert and Damian more involved because even if you run the ball, it takes more time off the clock than throwing interceptions. At least you're keeping the defense off the field for a little while longer. So I was surprised they didn't run the ball more, but I think what happens, they get behind, they start to panic, and they start to panic, and most teams go to their passing attack to try to catch up. The problem with Iowa is its passing attack is horrible. What do you think Kirk was doing punting with three seconds to go at the end of the first half? No idea. We asked Kirk about that, and his answer was sort of confusing because he I just think that shows you how little faith he has in his offense and his defense that he would do something like that because it was bizarre. I know we all talk about the the defensive struggles relating directly to the time they spend on the field because the offense is so bad but it appears that Norm Parker just isn't able to effectively or consistently defense the spread. 
Yeah, I think the defense has benefited in terms of its reputation from the offense being so bad because I think, I'm not saying the defense is overrated, but it might be a little bit. I think Mitch King's a heck of a player. I like the linebackers, but I think, and Charles Godfrey's pretty good, but I think they got some weaknesses at cornerback. And let's face it, I just don't think the defensive ends are very active. I, I know that Madison and Webham are three-year starters, but it just seems like they just don't cause a lot of, make a lot of plays. They contain and what have you, but I think the defense is slightly overrated because the um, offense is so bad. And I think Purdue exposed some weaknesses in the secondary. You know, in his, his pregame keys on the radio broadcast, Eddie Podolak talked about Purdue's passing game and the fact that they rely largely on shorter pass routes and then count on good runs after the catches. And that one thing that would be essential for the Hawks defense would be to, for the defensive backs to play the Purdue receivers close to the line of scrimmage and bump them early, disrupt their routes. Yet Iowa, for the most part, stayed in its base, played very soft, played even 10 yards off the line of scrimmage when Purdue had the ball on the 15-yard line. Well, that's been an ongoing issue, and I just think it shows. I got to give the coaches the benefit of the doubt on this. They just must not be happy with their man-to-man -man close up coverage, and they must feel that if they did that too much, they're going to be exposed, because I can't I can't think of any other reason why they wouldn't do it. I, they just, I mean, teams can go run seven yards, turn around, and, and get a seven yard play on Iowa like that. That's this bend, not break philosophy. The only way I can explain it is if they're worried that if they went too close, that they'd be exposed and beat deep. That's the only way I can explain it. Okay, we have the Michigan State game this weekend, one of the Big Ten's highest scoring offenses against the Big Ten's worst. How well do you think Iowa's going to match up in this game? I think they got a chance to stick with them. They're at home, and Michigan State is more of a power running team, but they're, they're running back Javon Ringer is averaging about seven yards a carry. And I, I think one thing, Michigan State, I think Michigan State's got as good or better talent than Wisconsin. I just think they finally needed the right coach to kind of funnel that talent in the right direction. I think this is a game that Iowa could win if they just play lights out on both sides of the ball. The offense has got to stop being a liability for them to win. My gut feeling Michigan State's going to win, oh, maybe 31-17, 31-20. I just, think Minnesota, I just think Michigan State right now is really confident. They almost beat Ohio State. What do you think this loss at Purdue coming after the Illinois win does to a young team like Iowa? It's hard to say. I think whatever confidence they got from that Illinois victory now has probably been washed away by playing so poorly at Purdue. Just if they wouldn't have, even if they would have just lost at Purdue and not been so bad, I think that would have helped a little bit. But they just went there and laid an egg. So I think they're back to ground zero trying to get this week, trying to build their confidence up. So they need to reinforce to them that they're at home and that this is this is a winnable game and what have you. But right now the, the confidence has to be shaky. I mean, these are just kids. We're, we're told that all the time. You wrote in your column on Monday that a positive was the fact that all of the players seem to be accepting responsibility for their performances. They're really not making excuses because of youth or injuries or anything else. Yes, I did sense that. I think the players are tired of hearing us ask about the excuses that we're constantly told about. I think they're tired of being given crutches. I think that they're embarrassed by the way they're played. And to me, that's step one in getting this thing corrected is identifying the problem. What's your evaluation now after the Purdue game of this team's overall development and performance? How can you reasonably expect any short-term improvement? I think this team could win the last four of their games. I doubt it, and I think they could lose three of the last four. I, I think the one thing this team has going for it is a very positive schedule. Three of the next four games are at home. None of the teams are very good. Then again, I think Iowa is so bad on offense right now to where it might not matter. I see them going two and two the rest of the season with five and seven. That's kind of my gut feeling. Where those victories are going to come, more than likely, I think Western Illinois, and then after, and probably Minnesota. I don't see them winning at Northwestern. I don't see that happening. 
Are you ready to say this has reached the point of being a disturbing trend? We're well into the third season of performance problems, significant player attrition, and a poor one-loss record. Oh yeah, we're beyond isolated incidents or this is just a glitch in the radar. This is a pattern that's developed and you worry about whether they're falling into another stage where it's going to require a massive rebuilding job because rarely have I seen the same coaching staff rebuild the same program twice. In your Monday column, you also wrote that there's a long road of rebuilding coming up given the overall state of the program. Can you talk about that a little more? Well, I just think they're so bad right now. They were so bad at the second half of last year. I just don't know how these players are going to go on offense from just being horrible to good in just one year. I just don't see it. I think that they've dug themselves a hole now and they may have to make some drastic changes to try to get out of it. I just can't see the players getting that good during the offseason in one year to make up for how bad they are now. Your keys to the Michigan State game? Scoring early, being able to run the ball, do a couple things on special teams, get the crowd in it early. They need to be able to run the ball to prevent Michigan State from loading the box and blitzing. If they can do that and be balanced on offense, I think they got a chance. Any other thoughts? Let's just get this season over with. It's here. Hawkeyes Mike is for Iowa fans by Iowa fans. It's Hawk Sports Talk Radio on the internet. Your chance as a Hawkeye fan to make your voice heard on men's and women's sports. Weekly on HawkeyesMike.com. Just a reminder that following every football game this fall, questions will be posted on the HawkeyesMike.com website. You can respond to those or offer whatever comments you like. The toll-free hotline will be open 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. Get your comments included in next week's show. Please call by Tuesday evening. Just call 866-74-HAWKS. The new podcast should be available for listening or downloading on Wednesday afternoons. Again, just call 866-74-HAWKS to make your voice heard. Today's Hawkeyes Mike program is made possible in part by The Lodge Apartments in Iowa City, the finest in student living, your home away from home. Call 319-358-3500 or go to www.thelodge.ui.com. And by Morgan Stanley Financial Advisors of Coralville. Call 319-338-5184 or 800-870-0002 for all your investment needs. It will be another very difficult game this Saturday, even though Iowa is playing at home. You have one of the most explosive, highest scoring offenses in the Big Ten against the worst. And the Spartans are coming off a game when they narrowly lost to number one ranked Ohio State at Columbus. In fact, two of Michigan State's losses have come at the hands of top five teams by a total of 10 points, and another loss was in overtime. And even though you hope Iowa matches up well against Michigan State's smash-mouth brand of offensive football, it's hard to believe Iowa's offensive woes won't continue this Saturday, and that we'll once again see the pattern of Iowa's defense spending way too much time on the field. Even worse for the Hawks, Michigan State is among the leaders in sacks, while Iowa is 11th in the Big Ten in giving up sacks. It could be a long, ugly day. I hate to sound pessimistic, and we'll hope for the best, but it's likely to be just a matter of how quickly Iowa's defense will wear down. It will also be interesting 
interesting to see what kind of game plan Ken O'Keefe comes up with this week because his game plan for the Purdue game still baffles most observers. Another key this week will be whether we get some of the injured players back and how many. That would at least provide a boost and a little hope. Pat Hardy wrote this week about the fact that the players aren't making any excuses for their performance individually or collectively, even though others are using various excuses. We're eight games into the season. Injuries have been significant, but you better have enough talent on any decent Big Ten team to have people who can step in and play reasonably well. And youth is no excuse at this point in the season. Most of the younger players who have stepped up have a fair amount of experience by now under fire. To many observers, it looks like Iowa has major issues with a level of talent, recruiting, and some questionable coaching. Kirk says he has complete confidence in his systems and his coaches and that the team has a great attitude. But ultimately, what matters is performance on the field, the wins, the losses, and how they play the games. It still looks like the Hawks have at least a chance to win three more games and go to a bowl, but that will be much more difficult if they turn in another dismal performance against the Spartans this Saturday. Which Iowa team will show up this Saturday? The one that showed grit and promise in defeating Illinois, or the one that failed miserably in games like Purdue, Indiana, and Penn State? At this point, Iowa fans are still precariously clinging to hope that the Hawks can win out, but it's just getting pretty hard to think that's realistic. I believe that most fans would be pleased, not happy mind you, but pleased, if the Hawks lost, but looked good in doing so, showed improvement, and demonstrated pride in themselves and the program. Iowa's going to come out of here unless they score here, Ray, with only two touchdowns now in their last three games. And that was the concern. They felt they were moving the ball pretty well, and they did last week against Illinois but they didn't come up with points. So they figured, hey, the next step is we got to put some points on the board. Did not happen for them today, and I still question the play selection early on in this ballgame. Once you get behind, yeah, you got to throw the football. But they came out throwing the football early in the ballgame, and that goes against Hawkeye football, and the way they've been able to win games is, you know, control the football, get that time of possession, ground it out on the, in the running game and, and try to steal it, you know, because they're really not explosive enough on offense. But they went to the air early today, and it backfired on Just two touchdowns now on Iowa's last 39 possessions. And Albert Young, who had 99 yards last week, was really the workhorse in that game. The upset win over Illinois, 35 carries for 99 yards last week. Young this week, seven carries for 44 yards. Uh, you, you just wonder what, you know, what, what were they thinking of when they put this game plan together? And I'm sure that they had legitimate reasons and watching film and saying, hey, this, this is going to work. Let's try this and that. But Boy, when you got something that was working for you, you'd think you'd stick to that, and they didn't. Our thanks once again to ESPN2 for the game highlights, and thanks also to our regular contributors, Marv Cook and Pat Hardy, and, of course, to our callers. We hope you've enjoyed this Hawkeyes Mike podcast, that you'll come back for more, and that you'll participate by phoning and making your own voice heard, 866-74-HAWKS. That's 866-74-HAWKS. And we encourage new callers. Phone into Hawkeyes Mike, make yourself heard, then listen to yourself on the show, and invite your friends and family to listen as well. They can call in too. It's going to be all Hawkeyes all the time on HawkeyesMike.com. For Iowa fans, by Iowa fans. Nice work, everyone. Sharp broadcast. Really good. Everyone on the floor as well. Really a lot of hustle. I liked it. This has been a presentation of HawkeyesMike.com and Enlightened Vision, LLC.